0: Thanks, Lucas. When I can't think of a better intro, I'm Lucas Whitney. Uh, welcome back to Bacon Wire. He's joined as always by—I don't know what version he's on right now, but it's Spartan Dog 97. Yeah,
1: I—I've I, dropped that bit. It became a little too high maintenance for me, so uh, that yeah, like bit you, is
0: over. You have to like write down what software you're on, and it's a yeah, little
1: yeah. I mean, I basically did it just so I could make a 9/11 joke, so I'm kind of over it now. <laughs>
0: Uh, that's on brand uh so folks we're 5 and0 feeling good uh, took care of western Kentucky on Saturday night 48 17 or 48 31 sorry it should have been
1: 4817 but we'll get there
0: we'll we'll get there um you know we'll we'll uh you know we'll and then we'll talk about the Rutgers game coming up this weekend I think it's at noon on FS1 I no, big BTN BTN we're back on BTN and then uh, we we are going to do a uh, debate. I think over a a movie that we both watched that I didn't like and Spartan Dog liked. So, uh, Movie Wire is back. Sorry to disappoint the haters and losers of which there are many. There are a lot. There are, are a lot are of back. haters. There are
1: a lot of haters in Movie Wire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um.
0: So. Let's talk the game. 48-31, 17-point win. We cover the 10.5-point spread, 11, depending on where you bet. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Great teams cover. And uh, I'll pull up the box score, but we're going to start the compliment sandwich by, I think I'm going to kick it off by saying, Jaden Reed, that's really all you have to do. We're witnessing, you know, I, I remember Graham Couch saying that uh, when he interviewed one of the or the radio play-by-play caller for Western Michigan, um, he asked him about Jane Reed a couple years ago, and he said he could end up being one of the best players at Michigan State, and I thought that was just a lot of hyperbole. But the way that this kid's developing, the way he's looking with this team, it's starting to feel like that could be a reality if he stays long enough you know, to have a good sample size. He had a a receiving touchdown and a punt return touchdown. Again, the punt return touchdown basically started the game off. You know, we forced a three-and-out Western Kentucky, which was just fucking massive, which is, as uh, Jedrick Wills says, it's a tone setter again.
1: Yeah, we're
0: setting the tone, baby. We set the tone, and I think we held them to three straight three-and-outs. I could be wrong, but that sounds right. Maybe – no, I think it was two straight and then they kicked a field goal. I think it was 14 to three. No shit. It was 21, nothing. Wasn't it? I don't know. I'll have to look. Um, But that's my thoughts is Jalen Reed. Jaden Reed is something special. Um, What are your thoughts on him so far while I uh, try to filibuster here? Yes. No, Jaden Reed is Jaden Reed is absolutely.
1: If it wasn't for Kenneth Walker, Jane Reed would be like the best, the best thing to come out of the transfer portal for, for Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I have been nothing but impressed with with him. Uh, he, he sees the field in a way that I I don't think I don't that few people in the country can. Uh, You know, he's able to he's able to find space and make cuts and get open. And he's just and he's just so in sync with Peyton Thorne. And I'm not going to do the fucking bit. I'm not (laughs) going to say it. We all know they went to fucking high school together. All right. But. You know, I Peyton, I, you know, is each game jane Reed plays in Green and White. The more, the better he gets. He's like, uh, I'm trying to. He's like a Pokemon. He just keeps leveling
0: up. <laughs> you know, he just. But it's he, Char, Charmander, Char
1: Charmeleon,
0: Charmeleon. Yeah, you think he's like at Charmeleon now?
1: No, he's at Charizard.
0: Yeah, I could agree with that. <clears throat> Sorry folks I'm uh, eating arby sponsored by Eli- or Elijah Collins sponsored by them yeah um, shout
1: out shout out Eli I hope he's getting better soon it sounds like he's it sounds like he's on the sounds like he's on the path to recovery so,
0: Yeah, I hope he gets better um, although I don't
1: know Mel likes to just say everyone's a little sore for all yeah. we know is for <laughs> all we know is fucking ACL could be hanging off his bone like uh <laughs> <laughs> like that one video of that chef who, who like got a drumstick and was like, yeah. if it doesn't fall off the bone. It's free. Yeah. That's what, that's what uh, Eli's knee. I hope it's not. Let me be clear. I hope it's not. I hope he's, we could see him ripped the off
0: on the field and coach Tucker be like, yeah,
1: he's a little sore. He'll be all right. You know, just that's a, that's deep water. That's hockey mentality.
0: That's deep water mentality there. A, a light decapitation um, or light amputation of the arm, like a light genocide. This um, is this is a joke for you and your fellow
1: boomers, Lucas. Oh, uh, it, it's like the Black Knight and uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail.
0: I've only seen that movie once. Oh
1: fuck! God damn it, Lucas! You ruined the bit, you fucking idiot! All right,
0: <laughs> you blew it. You uh, blew it. <laughs> um, do we want to do a negative or do we want to do one more compliment?
1: I have I have a positive that's a bit different from yours. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh. Shut up, Peyton Thorne, man. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I I was very clear on where I think Tucker was gonna go go preseason. I thought for sure um Anthony Russo was gonna get the starting job and just devour some of that gabagool. Uh but <laughs>
0: <laughs> little hint about later,
1: yeah. Forget about it, forget <laughs> we'll about it. You know what, Lucas? It just, I don't think Russo has the makings of a varsity athlete.
0: <laughs> I was dead wrong on, on Russo Thorne, so I'm not going to talk shit about Thorne. Yeah, but I mean, Thorne is just,
1: a, a few of the throws Thorn made, you know, on Saturday were fucking impressive. He threw the ball a mile. He put it right in the basket. And you know those are the kind of throws you need to make if you're going to be a competitive team in the top half of the Big Ten. Yeah, you know, especially this year. So I'm I'm very I'm I just shout out to Peyton Thorn, man. I mean he he's unlocked like four new tiers of quarterback since we last saw him.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with this kid, and uh, I think out of him, Walker and uh, <clears throat> Reed. I think Thorne's gonna stay. I could be wrong, but that's where I'm. That's where I'm leaning because I think he can get better. And I'm not saying he doesn't. I don't think it's fair to say he reminds me of Connor Cook just yet. I mean, that's, no, that's not a fair comparison. But he's definitely,
1: he's definitely on the way. I think I think
0: closer and closer.
1: I'm 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 comfortable saying that. I'm you know he's, yeah. Me too. He's definitely. He's definitely making – he's definitely working his
0: way there, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'll start with the negative. Well, I want – I think you were more critical about the negative than I was. So I'll let you do your negative and see if we connect on this one. I just – I don't – I really don't like
1: the fucking – I just don't like the – I don't like the bend-o-break style of defense. I never have – I never will. I just, you know, I I understand that on some level it, it's a necessity, right? Yeah. And And, you know, only, you know, a lot of drives only holding Western Kentucky to field goals instead of touchdowns was literally the difference in the game. It was literally the sole difference between a win and a loss on Saturday 12, night.
0: 12 points were left on the field
1: yeah and we won by 17 so that turns a 12 point game into a 5 point game and who knows what that and who knows what those touchdowns do to momentum and yeah and kind of mojo but i just don't i'm not, i watching this defense pains me right and like i'm not and i know that we don't necessarily have the ponies to kind of go no fly zone No, but it's just like I think there needs to be a little more. We need, I think, a little bit more pressure on the quarterback can't hurt. I agree, right? Yeah, I think they started doing that with Adrian Martinez on Saturday, and I think that was the difference in the game. But I don't think they were necessarily going out for pressure either. I just think, I think they just, I think the front four bullied. Nebraska's front line and Martinez held onto the ball too long. You know, 7 I sacks I, against him. Right. I mean, but I just think we need to I think we need to get a little more dynamic with our defensive with our defensive play calling. I I think the I think the keep everything in front of you and don't get burned up top. I think it's going to come back to bite us in the ass eventually.
0: I can agree with you because this reminds me of the Pat Narduzzi off uh, defense, especially, I'd say 2009. It was a lot of bend, don't break. It was a lot like this, and that season they didn't start out five and zero. So I'm not gonna. If this team ends up six and six, and something just completely went off the rails, which I would be absolutely flabbergasted if that happened. Um, but it does remind me of that. Like they get pressure, but. Sometimes it seems like they don't, you know what I mean? Like, they can go long spells without they, – they went a long time without getting to Bailey Zappi. And, you know, it worked. But, you know, we have people clapping back saying, oh, he threw for 488 yards against your shitty defense. Like, he threw 64 times. He threw He completed 46 passes. Yeah, he's going to throw because that's their whole fucking offense. And, you know, I think we all said that last week is like, this team's going to score on us. We just have to distance ourselves in in a way, and, you know, just, just basically get up on top of them early and don't let up. And that's what we did in the first half, but that, you know, that second half was kind of alarming. It, it does. It did remind me of uh, Narduzzi. Like I know you're a little young and you weren't really into MSU back then and but speaking from experience, that was a very frustrating year with the defense. And, um, there were more issues than this team has. But I'm curious to see if this is a Scotty Hazleton scheme or if it's just him working with what he's got because, you know, we got these top 20 classes coming in. You know, let's, let's see in a couple of years if he can cook with, with a little, not better, but different ingredients. Right. Right. Um, so I'll lean into my, um, Negative, you know, I'm just I'm going to make it this last one because I can't really pick out a ton of negatives from this game. I think it's a major win on both that we covered and we won. Um, I'm going to say that. I don't I I think it's smart that Mel lets the gas off a little bit because you want to keep your guys healthy. Like, you know, the the second string receivers were coming out and the second string O-line were coming out but Western Kentucky started their comeback. You know, it was a little, I wouldn't say it was alarmed when it was 48, 31, but, or 45, 31, but you know, it kind of gets you like a little nervous because there's still what seven minutes left in the game. And with a, with an offense as dynamic as that, I mean, that could have turned into a disaster pretty quickly. And I'm not saying Mel intentionally put his foot off the gas, but, it kind of seemed like we did in the second half and I'm fine doing that against Youngstown state because that was pretty much irrelevant after halftime. But I disagreed with the strategy in this game because of how good Western Kentucky's offense is. That offense was good enough to come back if they had more time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Um, You know, I just, I, I, Like I, I I tweeted it from the bacon warrior account on Saturday. Like, like Bailey Zappi is a name we're going to be hearing on Sundays. I mean, he's going to get drafted. He has, he has incredible touch on the ball. He can throw it deep. His pocket awareness is, is unreal. That's part of the reason why we didn't sack him as many times as we sacked Martinez is because he's just, he's so aware of the field around him. His football IQ is just off the charts Mm-hmm. And I think a few people on MSU Twitter have said this. Like, if if Bailey Zap, like Bailey Zappy, could go to like two thirds of the Big Ten and be a starting and be their starting quarterback, without a doubt. I mean, what like it's easier to list the schools where he wouldn't be the starting quarterback mm-hmm. than the schools where he would be the starting quarterback.
0: Absolutely. Um. Yeah. He impressed the hell out of me. I mean, he's got a pretty fucking amazing year already. Like six, 1712 yards through four games, uh, 16 touchdowns through four games tied for both tied for fifth, both yards and touchdowns tied for fifth in the country, two picks tied for 34th, which is, that's a great, as we like to say, ratio. And, uh, he's 11th in quarterback rating. So I mean, he's a top 10 quarterback in all me- basically all metrics. And that's, I mean, that's, I think it's a win for what we did against him with, especially with what that offense has done and can do in the past and what that coach has done and can do. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, it's not fun to see like 568 yards given up by your offense or whatever it was, 540 or something. But, you know, I think just because we won the game and we covered, I consider that a win. I think a lot of people should feel pretty good about what happened on Saturday. Even though we got out gained, I mean, it was basically because of a couple of bullshit penalties, which, you know, I could say a negative, but I'm not going to call that a negative on this team's compliment sandwich. That, that could be a, a side dish. Um, do you have any other positives? Like anything else? Like uh, – I.
1: Yeah, can I – yeah, I mean, like, it's 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 the usual suspect. I mean, Kenneth Walker III, just – Yes. Was, I mean, it, it, fuck, man. I don't even know what else to say. Adam Ruff has a great tweet uh, where it's like a slide – where it's like the – it's like a frame-by-frame compilation of that touchdown run where he, like, hurtled through that Western Kentucky defender. Oh, yeah. It's fucking – awesome. I recommend everyone go take a look at it. It, It's so fucking cool. It just, I mean, you know, I he, he's, Kenneth Walker is doing things on the field that like, that look like Madden. It's fucking ridiculous sometimes, you know? Yeah. Uh, You know, the O-line calls him the racer. I think Matt Sheehan uh, is trying to get Kenny cutbacks going. Uh. K nine, you know, I mean, shit. I like K nine. I like K nine. Sounds my cool.
0: rule. My
1: rule is if you have more than three nicknames, you're a fucking legend. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> like K W three is just like, I think, I think of R G three every time. Yeah. But K nine sounds sick. Like it sounds awesome, and he's a Spartan K-Dub. dog. Yeah, huh? K dub. K dub. Yeah. Like it's not. It's he sounds like a Spartan dog, and he is a Spartan dog. So I go K nine. Um. But I have to say, uh, Peyton Thorne impressed me. But I, I got to give a shout out to Trey Mosley. That's my last compliment. That dude has been a silent hero for some parts of this team. Like he has, he's not lighting up the scoreboard with his with his stats, but he is the third best receiver on this team, and he is that safety valve that I think I said in our season preview that needs to be there, or that can be there. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he, he made a couple of good catches. I think one on third down. Like, he – because teams are going to key in on Naylor and Reed, and they're not going to have enough cornerbacks or safeties to double-team Trey Mosley, you know, put two guys on him. So, right. he's going to be going into what I think is now the more crucial – obviously, almost the final half of the season. Like, he's he's even more important than he has been. Like, Reed is going to do his thing. Naylor is going to do his thing but if Trey Mosley can cook with these guys I think my nine win prediction is is now I'm not going to say a lock but it's going to become more and more closer to reality if the time comes absolutely no I agree with you Trey Mosley has been
1: uh yes uh it's been he's been Trey Mosley you know like you said he's he is probably he's probably the most underrated member of this of this receiving core. Yeah. You know, because I think I you know Jaden Reed is obviously getting a lot of attention because he's so prolific on the punt on special teams. And you know, Jalen Naylor just has that big playability where where if you if he gets space, he's gone. Uh, you know, Connor Hayward is getting his flowers for just the incredible transition he's made to that H-back tight end role. I love that uh, role for him. Yeah, deservedly so. Yeah, I might add. Absolutely. Um, but no, Trey Mosley. Trey Mosley has just been a constant in in this offense. He he's always reliable. Um, you know, he's always he runs his routes the correct way. He's always He's always on the ball and, you know, he can just, he'll get you a catch if he, if you need it, you know, if we're third and medium, you know, they're going to, they're going to put coverage on, they're going to put coverage on Naylor. They're going to put coverage on Reed. You know, they're going to try to, they're going to bump Hayward at the line and lo and behold, Trey Mosley's right there in single coverage and Thorne's going to be able to get it to him. So, yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. Absolutely. Trey Mosley has been definitely one of the most under, um, under praised I'll say parts of this offense so, so far this year
0: absolutely I'm gonna agree with you it's been like as Jeff Lowe says an absolute blast watching this team um, but the one I just want to say one turning point that I think changed the game the turning point was in the early in the second quarter Western Kentucky got the ball back after a three and out from MSU and they were driving, they were up, they were down 2110 and they were driving down the field pretty quickly. And well, it was a 13 play drive, but like, you know, they were chomping down the field and we held them at not the goal line, but you know, I think it was either first and goal or um, you know, it was or fourth and goal or whatever. I think they got a penalty or something, but you know, we kicked They kicked the field goal and make it twenty-one thirteen. And I felt a little better. And then we immediately responded with that six-play, sixty-eight-yard drive, where Kenneth Walker got his second touchdown run of the night. That might have been the. That might have been the one that Adam Ruff got pictures of. I yeah, can't
1: that was the. That was the. We're not fucking. We're not fucking around. Yeah, like we're like that. Like a D'Antonio team probably would have went three and out again. And, and Western you know you might have tied the game, right? The D'Antonio discourse TMCR is is alive and well on the timeline again today. On the thanks day we're me. recording Tuesday, yeah, mostly thanks to you.
0: Yep. But, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on that slightly in a little bit since you brought up, but um, and and then I I need to give Cal Halliday a shout out for it was 35-16, and then Western Kentucky was trying to get things going. It was like third and one, and uh, Bailey Zappi tried a quarterback sneak. Uh, which is undefeated, according to Colin Pouncy, but it was defeated on that. Cal Halliday strips the ball. I mean, just fucking rips, the, <laughs> rips it out of Zappy's arms. Goes like five yards over, and uh, Cal Halladay gets it, and then we go right down the field, have a shitty penalty, but then Peyton Thorne with that awesome touchdown run, like, just completely fooled the defense. Yeah. Freak. I mean, that, that was so fucking impressive to see, like, he just looks looks at a receiver, and you can see that gap open in the middle, and then he just strolls right through. And he like free Cal, man, free Cal Halliday. It's not often,
1: it's not often that laws and regulations negatively impact white people, but when it does, it sucks double. <laughs> so, uh, free Cal Halliday, it's fucking, it's bullshit. I mean, we've talked about the targeting rule before when Chuck Brantley got ejected in the Miami game. It's there needs to be a major revision of how they of how they approach the targeting rule
0: and Either mel call said or, or or be better about it
1: right mel said mel said today he, mm-hmm. he talked to the head of the officiating for the big 10 and said what can i do to coach these guys better so they don't get these calls and he said there's nothing you can do <laughs> that's so such like, fucking bullshit what the fuck what do you mean there's nothing i can do <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> that was such bullshit. I'm sure that conversation did not go well for the other side of the phone. Like you, you have to, I, I get that. You basically are just talking to a brick wall when you're trying to argue that call. But like, man, I didn't but see it, that. He I wasn't left even before arguing, that happened.
1: He wasn't even arguing the call. He was talking after the fact to a ref and going, what can i do to prevent these penalties in the nothing. future mel was doing his due diligence and the answer yeah.
0: you give him is fucking nothing are you fucking kidding me that should be a cue right there that hey you i know you can't reverse the call but you might want to think about letting this be an option this 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 will be looked at in the off season for sure when the when the big 10 80s meet you know, like this will be front and center for Alabama. Well,
1: this isn't even a Big Ten thing. This is an NCAA thing. Right. So, hopefully, the fucking alliance—the dumbest fucking decision the Big Ten has made since allowing in, since allowing Maryland and Rutgers to join the conference—to uh, <laughs> can can use the, use their use their combined powers for good and fucking fix this rule. Like yep. the solution, you have the blueprint. It, it's there. It's there in basketball with the flagrant one flagrant two rule. It's there in soccer with the yellow card, red card rule tier, the targeting system, right? Dangerous hits should be taken out of football. Football itself is a dangerous sport as it stands present.
0: We shouldn't right? be playing football as humans.
1: No human beings should not be playing football, but Human beings shouldn't do a lot of things that we do, yeah. so I'm not gonna do that. Like moralizing, like tell the truth. Uh, Will Smith concussion thing. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. <laughs> but uh, no, like there needs to be there needs to be a there needs to be a a, a flagrant one, flagrant two, yellow card, red card, however you want to phrase it. Type of type of system. Yeah. That system already exists, by the way, for in sports when, like conduct penalties yeah, right. I don't care if you carry it over from game to if you get targeting penalties in consecutive games or yet or you get two in a season and it escalates from there. I don't care how you do it. But to to have a play, but to have one play, fuck up a guy's life, even if you keep the call as is, but don't carry over the punishment into the preceding game. On some level, I'm okay with that, even. Yeah. Right? Right. Like, I, that's the part that pisses me off the most, is that why all of a sudden does the third quarter become this magical place where punishments can carry over?
0: It's, it's just, it's stupid. It's not consistent. It needs a total overhaul of the procedures. And
1: refereeing at any level from from Pop Warner flag football to the NFL is never going to be consistent. It never is. But there need. But if you're talking about ejecting a kid for an entire game for a play that I would say I would say seven out of 10 targeting penalties are 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 unintentional. Correct. No, I, I think like there are definitely players who go out. There are definitely targeting penalties where the player, where the defensive player is intentionally trying to injure the offensive player. Absolutely. Right. I think, I think James Stalski's hit on fields last year in the sugar bowl is a perfect example of that.
0: Yeah. That was, that was tough to watch too.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's just a brutal call and, they were absolutely correct in calling it targeting and ejecting him. They yeah. wasted time with the replay, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Somebody, there just needs to be, there needs to be a little, there needs to be a, there needs to be a dam. There needs to be a flood dam between, between like, okay, like it was a bang bang play. You had bad form. Don't, you know, make sure you just kind of go in a little better. And like you, like you went head down at a quarterback who was sliding down, get the fuck out, get the fuck out. Yeah. There needs to be some middle ground. So I hope I, I truly hope the NCAA who, you know, between NIL and the opening up the transfer, the transfer eligibility um, I don't want to jinx that are kind of on a good run right now, enforcement wise. So I hope they kind of take a look at the targeting and introduce a, introduce a tier targeting system.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've been thinking in the back of my head is like, we're on the same page. I'm not trying to steal. Your thunder. I'm saying I thought about that ever since I heard the call when I was driving home and then I watched it. I'm just like, he tapped his helmet. I mean, he hit his head. Sure. But like, there needs to be intent involved. And I think he'd be the first to tell you. And, you know, obviously everyone's going to go, Oh, I didn't mean to hit him in the head, but that was pretty blatant. Like, yeah, this, th- this was just fucked up. Um, and I-, I hope that we, I think we'll be okay for a half with, without him. I really do. Um, Rutgers makes me nervous and we can kind of, just segue into that if you want. Sure. Uh, so Michigan State plays Rutgers at noon on Saturday on, on a good old BTN. We are currently uh, around a five-point favorite, some as low as three and a half. Um, projections are it's going to be a close game. You know, last year we lost, I think, what was it, 37-24, something like that.
1: Let me look it up real quick, okay?
0: Yeah, I think it was around that, 37-21 or something. Um, we get – you know if you're Michigan State it was famous. 38
1: it was 38 27 38 so so Lucas I to open to open our discussion I have some I have a couple of numbers to throw okay you. okay um MSU lost that game by uh 11 points okay uh they turned the ball over seven times those seven turnovers equated to 21 points. Oops. Uh, Yeah. Uh, this season, through five games, MSU has three turnovers.
0: Yep. So two of, them, two of them are by backups.
1: Yeah, two of them are by non – two of them are by – and the third one was – I'll be honest, the third one was a bit of an arm punch on Peyton's, on, on Peyton's part. So yeah. That, I don't think, that was
0: like a Denard Robinson throw there.
1: Right. I don't think he makes that throw in, in, in other circumstances. I think that was just the it was third and long and they, and they needed to try something.
0: Yeah. So
1: like, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not, you know, I, I know I keep saying this week in and week out, but I'm, I'm truly not worried by Rutgers. I mean, no, no, I, I just don't like, again, like Rutgers is Rutgers is a, you need to show me, you need to show me something and they're, they're banged up. They're, they're hurt. And, you know, I just think, I think Tucker is, Tucker was pissed off with how that game went last year. And I, I think we're going to be okay. You know, I, it might be, you're right. It might be a little closer, but I just, I, I don't see it out of this Rutgers team. I mean, like they can, you know, you look at who they beat.
0: I don't, I don't know who they've beaten. I mean, shit. Uh, Rutgers, they beat Temple Syracuse and Delaware. <laughs> Wayne's World Delaware. <coughs> Delaware were in Delaware. Delaware. <laughs> and they got – and they – I'm not going to say they should have beat Michigan because they blew that game on their own regardless of the missed calls. Right, they, they shit their pants. They have plenty of chances I mean, they should They shit their pants. I they mean, they for- absolutely dropped the spaghetti all over the floor. Or they, uh Rucker spilled chili meme all over the floor. Yeah, they, they
1: got vomit on their mom. You know that there's vomit. They got vomit on their sweater
0: already, Mom. Spaghetti. You know. <laughs> I thought you were going somewhere else with the vomit, but I'm going to leave it to be. Um, um, no, I, I'm not going. I'm not going to expose our. our no,
1: or boy like that. No, My I was like, oh
0: boy. Um <laughs> And then you know, I thought they had a shot against Ohio State, but boy, that proved me wrong pretty quickly. I mean, they lost fifty-two to thirteen. That game was basically over. It was 24 to 6 after one quarter. It was 45 to 6 at the half. That yeah, I mean was that was over within the first 5 minutes. That was the that was that was the get, I mean that was Ohio
1: State's get right game. Yeah. I mean that was their like that's you know I know they had a game between you know they had a couple but they didn't have CJ Stroud. So Stroud yeah. was back. The team was at full health and Rutgers was Rutgers Rutgers just entered into a buzzsaw. I mean, that's, that's what it was, but no, I mean like until, until further notice Rutgers is Rutgers. I mean, I'm not, I'm yeah. Rutgers would have to beat us convincingly multiple years in a row in order for me to, in order for me to lose sleep over Rutgers. I I'm sorry. Like I just don't.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I, I think we're going to, if we turn the ball over seven times, then there's a fight. Well, yeah. I mean, if we turn the ball over seven times in any game, we're going (laughs) to lose. Yeah. But, I mean, I think they have a good, they have a decent quarterback and their defense is decent, but it's,
1: they have a lot of of injuries on defense. Yeah. And, you know, I think, and, you know, they're going to score some points, but I think we're going to score more.
0: Yeah, and, you I. I know, think you you look better.
1: at the. Yeah, I mean, you look at the. You look at what Travion Henderson did to him last week. I mean, Kenneth Walker is going to eat again. Yeah. Uh, so I'm. I'm not. I'm not scared. I'm not scared of Rutgers. I'm sorry. I, I. You can't convince me to be scared of Rutgers, even though they beat us last year. Um, that was. I think that was more due to, uh an incredible series of of circumstances that. I don't want to say it can't be repeated Because lord knows what kind of Fucking variants are going to come but Yeah uh, uh, Those were A set of, of very unique Circumstances yeah. That led to To that That led to that loss and, and as pissed off as we were About it at the time uh, Especially Zanjo <laughs>
0: That was bad Danjo's my boy, but holy fuck, that was a. I just, I I think I you know we're gonna be all right.
1: You know I'm not, I'm not losing any sleep over Buckers. You know that
0: that post game podcast was like uh, me driving down the road with the O'Doyle family. (laughs) Danjo was just the banana in the road, and like me and Sean and I forget who else was in there. I might were you in that one?
1: Yeah, I was in that one. It was
0: you. It just felt like that took us off the cliff with how crazy he got about that game. I understand panicking because that is an alarming way to start a tenure, but guess what folks? Mel Tucker is now 12 and 12 as a head coach. He is seven and seven in MSU or excuse me. He's eight and. Wait, he's eight and five. He'd
1: be eight. He'd be, he no,
0: he'd be seven and five. He's seven and five in MSU. So. It's working out pretty well. Um I'm not going to like I said I'm not predicting a score. I think I just want them to win. Like cover the spread, win by 5, win. August. No, I mean I think
1: I I I think the last two weeks of performances have shown us that have shown the old adage to be true. Rutgers and Ruckers is going to be Ruckers until they prove themselves otherwise. Yeah, I'm not I'm not worried, you know. I just it is what it is, you know. So that's kind of said. Rucker, Rucker is gonna Rucker. Yeah, I mean they're gonna do. You know, Ruckers is there, it's gonna be. Uh, it's not gonna be, you know, like a like a blowout like it was in years past. You know, it's gonna be closer. But I'm not. I'm not. worried I'm not worried about Mel's ability to keep the team focused. I'm not worried about anyone's about about any of the offensive or defensive starters' talent. No, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about any of that. So, you know, it is what, you know, Rutgers is, you know, again, Rutgers is Rutgers until they show us otherwise. If they had beaten Michigan and had kept it closer with Ohio State, we'd be having a different conversation. But yeah. they shit their, but they shit their pants and then got spanked. So I'm, I'm sleeping, I'm sleeping well. There, <laughs> we're, you know, we're sleeping I'm, well tonight. I'm sleeping, um, well to, I'm sleeping well tonight and every night leading up to Saturday. You know, uh, that's just – that's how I feel.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little nervous, but I think Mel has already come out and said that he showed them that game from last year. Like, he showed them all seven turnovers. And I think that's enough to get you riled up, even if you weren't on the team. But especially if you were a part of that, like I know Jaden Reed had a fumble or two. I think might had two or three fumbles, but um, – this is definitely a redemption game for them. I wouldn't. You could call it a get-right game in terms of getting that stench off of you from last year. Um, but yeah, I think we're both in agreement. This should be a win. We'd be floored. I'd be floored if it wasn't a win. You know i I think I really think a week from now we're going to be talking about being bowl eligible already. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm chilling. You know, and I'm big chilling. And it's depending on your sports book, you might've already gotten your money back for your MSU over four and a half wins bet. I got mine back. Did you did you get yours? I got a check. I don't think so. Who, who'd you go through? Barstool. You, you got it then. Okay. I noticed it because I had way too many bets since I placed the bet, but I realized the amount of money I bet was exactly my account balance. So yeah. You oh, yeah, got there it is. Off. Yep. Uh, I got my, you know, I bet $10,000, you know, not a big deal. No, I didn't bet that much. But um, I bet enough to feel comfortable about them doing it. And, uh, boy, that was really fucking nice to walk out of the stadium knowing that was a wrap. Um, so, Yeehaw. Huh? Yeehaw. Yeehaw. All right. So we're going to talk movie wire before we take off because Spartan Dog has to watch uh, Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise or Bachelorette? No, Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah, he has to watch that tonight and live tweet it, so look for him on Twitter. Um, and uh, let's talk MovieWire. So I haven't gotten to watch Venom 2, but just tell me your quick quick reaction to it. We, we discussed it this morning, but I just want your thoughts on air. Bad. Like, what's your rating? Like, if you had to give it a, a LCB rating. 43 out of 100. That's right on par with them. I, I haven't listened to the review yet, but... So I, I take it. Lucas, when... do you want to? I'll give you a taste. I'm not going to. This isn't a spoiler, right? It,
1: yes. it isn't consequential to the plot. <clears> throat> <So> throat> I'm just going to give you a taste of what's in Venom 2.
0: Okay.
1: And you can draw your own conclusions from there. There is an extended, and by extended, I mean at least 15 minutes of movie time. A 15 minute joke about coming out of the closet. I mean literally a 15 minute bit about Venom coming out of the closet.
0: In what context? Like he's gay?
1: No, like he, like, he's like free, like he's free to be him. Oh, but it's like, but he goes to like this rave. Okay. And like all these dudes come up to him and he's like, Oh my God, I love your costume. Like, like <laughs> in like a, like, I don't mean that offensively. Like that's right. how the guy, that's how the actor sounded. Like it's literally and he gives a speech about like being locked away and not being able to be who he truly was, because you know Eddie Brock wasn't letting him eat people. It it was fucking it was fucking weird, man. Fucking yes. weird. That's odd. Um. So yeah, that's that. That's some. That's basically sums up my thoughts on on Venom Two.
0: Well. Interesting. I'm gonna to try to go see it this weekend. Uh, Cassie didn't want to go at first, and now she wants to go with me. So, there goes my Friday afternoon plans because I took a half day off of work. But, um, folks, uh, any anyway, um, Cassie and I and Spartan Dog, we watched the Many Saints of Newark, a Sopranos story. Um, if you haven't watched, wait, huh? we're doing spo- we're doing spoilers, right? I mean, like there's, I mean, it's on HBO Max. And it's in theaters. If you don't want to like go full on into spoilers, that's fine. I mean, many everyone's probably tuned out already. Anyway, once you said, movie yeah, they Warriors. as soon as I said Movie Wire, they just you know did the the guy with the headphones like ripping them off that meme. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't seen *Many Saints of Newark*, tune in next week. We'll talk to you later. Go Goodbye, green, etc. Go green, go white, go lats. Um, but I did not like this movie. And I want you to go first as to why you liked it, because maybe you can help me change my mind. Cause I wanted to like it. So, so here's
1: the thing. I I don't think the marketing did this movie the right amount of justice because Tony is in the marketing a lot. As an adult. As right, as as a teenager. Yeah. Right. Or yeah, teenage, you know what I mean. But I think like I came into this movie a little more, I came into, I came into it a little more open-minded, a little less guarded because I had already heard some reviews that were kind of mixed. And I was like, okay, like, we'll just go in there and see what I think. Right. Like I didn't have, I didn't have the hype. I didn't have the expectations. And I think as soon as the movie opens and as soon as you hear Chris Chris Maltesanti's voice Like I think I think it clicked For me that This isn't a Tony Soprano story This mm-hmm. isn't about Tony Soprano This is okay. about This is about the world Tony Soprano Inhabits
0: Gotcha Like he's just a piece of it
1: Right like he he's a part of this Of this bigger picture Right. And and that immediately kind of altered my perspective because I was no longer expecting a lot of Tony Soprano. I was expecting something different. Right. Right. So I think I think I you know, I not a lot of people think the same way I do. Um, And that's probably a good thing.
0: (laughs) We line up on a lot. So I was kind of surprised to see that you liked it. Yeah, well I I think it comes down
1: to I think it comes down to down to three things for me. 1 I liked the I liked the closed I liked the closed circle story it told. Okay. Um I liked the um I liked I liked the plot. I really did. I thought it was I thought it was good. I thought it moved at a good pace. Yeah. Um I could agree with that. The the main performances I enjoyed a ton. Okay, um, I thought um, I need to look up. I need to look up who played Dicky Maltasanti because he was
0: Alessandro Novola. Yeah, Alessandro
1: Novola. I remember was, him
0: because he was in Jurassic Park three. He was fucking awesome. He was yeah, he was really
1: good. Um, you know, Michael Gandolfini had he he just had so much. Like, I can't even imagine the the weight that you ha- that he's that he had to carry with him, you yeah, know, the pressure I, to, to carry his dad's legacy. Right. And I thought he he did a lot of his facial expressions were, you know, we kind of he kind of has like that same like like nostril flare. Uh, you know, James had, you yeah. Sopranos when like before Tony would explode, he kind of he kind of had that big exhale, like big, not, you know, like his nostrils got really fucking huge. Yeah. I thought, but I honestly think that the best performance by far in this entire movie is, is Vera Farmiga's Livia Soprano. Uh,
0: That is,
1: that is such, it's such a hard Livia Soprano could have, it could, this could have easily been an SNL sketch. Yep. But I think Vera Farmiga did such a great job of of inhabiting um, of inhabiting Livia Soprano in such a in such a wonderful way. Like the two I think the actors the actors with the three hardest roles in the movie were Corey Stoll, Michael Gandolfini and and Vera Farmiga I can agree with that because we have such a connection to those, to the characters they're playing. Yeah. That they're, that they're, that they're playing a losing game. And I thought they all did a magnificent job inhabiting those characters. Right. Yeah. I thought, I thought Corey Stoll was awesome as uncle June. (laughs) He was great. (laughs) So good. Yeah, I mean that was just Corey Stoll is just fucking awesome. Well, man. do
0: you remember when we were first talking about this movie? I didn't know he was playing Uncle Junior, and you broke that nose to nose news to me. Yeah, I'm just like about I about shit in my pants. Like, oh my god! Like I thought Vera Farmiga was perfect as Olivia. <laughs> he knocked it out of the park, right? And and you know, I I just.
1: I like the plot. I like the performances. I thought it balanced the the fan service and the trying to tell the original story stuff very well. Right. I, there are a couple, there are a couple instances I'll give it to you. There are a couple instances where it does get a little heavy handed. Right. But I, but I just, I don't know. I had a great time with this movie. I, I thought it told a great story and I thought, I thought it had interesting things to
0: say, and I just had a good time watching it. I didn't have a horrible time watching it. I just felt I felt this could have benefited from being an eight-episode miniseries on HBO. Like But we- see, this is where I think
1: I said that I tweeted this out after the movie. <clears throat> like this is the movie that by far is gonna suffer the most from being a simultaneous HBO Max release, right? Because I think for a lot of people, the knee jerk reflex is going to be this should have been a mini-series because they're going to watch the many saints in Newark on the same place they watch the Sopranos. So they're used to they're used to the next episode starting 15 seconds after the last episode ends. So, and when they don't get that, it alter your brain chemistry gets fucked up and it alters your perception. Right. Right, But once you have that finality In a movie theater I think it becomes a lot clearer Like the delineation becomes a lot clearer Right? Did you watch it in the theater? I did, I saw it in theaters Okay, I was at home Right, and I think that's ultimately I think that ultimately is going to hurt A lot of people's perception of this movie Yeah and Is like, they're like Okay, like when's the next episode? right and i that's very unfair to david chase who who you know very publicly has a complicated relationship to to his to tv you know yeah, he's he's, made his he's feelings,
0: very
1: he's made his feelings on television very clear <laughs>
0: yeah um yeah like david chase is a very interesting person like you know he despises a lot of what tv does but like I found it odd that he decided to cash in on the Sopranos 14 years after we last saw Tony Soprano, but I don't, but I'm not saying cash in in a bad way, but like, Hey, he wanted to make a movie about it and it just fell flat to me. And so, and I'll tell, I'll tell you what I didn't like once you're done, go ahead. I don't think it
1: was a cash in. I think it was, I think it was, he, I think it was, he had, he had a story to tell about, About Newark right Mm Because he grew up in Newark he's from Newark He grew up he's about the same Age as Tony which is why I think Tony is such a strong character Yeah right is that he's He's feeling the same Things that David Chase is feeling Right his Go ahead go ahead ahead, sorry his thoughts are being Filtered so I I think I I really enjoyed You know I really enjoyed this movie for, For what it was which was you know one part of of the life of of tony soprano you know instead of try instead of looking at it as like filling in the pieces of <clears throat> of tony's life i think it's i think your experience of the movie improves once you look at it go this is one this is one chunk of tony's life told from told from a perspective that isn't Tony's right Mm -hmm. because the opening narration makes it very clear this isn't this isn't from Tony's perspective this is from another this is from an ethereal kind of uh omni omnipresent perspective
0: yeah um yeah I think I can agree with you on the marketing it was very misleading because like Halfway through the movie, I'm going, where the fuck is Michael Gandolfini? Like, where is this? Where is he? Like, you know, like the Judge Judy, you know, the, you know, kit in the watch, like pounding the desk. Um, I just, and I, I like, yeah, I said we, we both agree. Corey Stoll, Vera Farmiga, Michael Gandolfini are the three best parts movie. Alessandro Naval is right up there with them. As Dicky Moltisanti, who I think we maybe saw in a flashback once or twice, we've never seen him. We've never, we've never seen, seen, him. seen. I know we saw Johnny. We, jo- we
1: saw Johnny Soprano. Right. We've seen Johnny Boy Soprano. We've never seen, and we saw. Um, yeah, but we've never seen. We've never seen Dicky Moltisanti. And so, um,
0: I think David Chase is a brilliant mind, but you know he's obviously very jaded, and he's right. He like um, I watched a Sopranos reunion special from. A couple years ago on YouTube it's about 40 minutes long I watched it after I finished the show and they were talking because David Chase obviously wasn't there it was like everyone but rest in peace James Gandolfini was there um and um oh shit Jennifer Dr. Melfi uh Lorraine Bracco said you know David Chase writes from his own pain like that was a lot of the show was his own pain his own struggles his own traumas and Right. I mean, he does. You I mean, more his relationship, relationship
1: with his mother is very fraught. I mean,
0: yeah, you you could see a lot more of that in this movie, but it just felt kind of long to me. And it's just nothing. The movie is nothing but pain. Like, you know, Dickie Moldesanti isn't happy in his relationship. You know, and then he kills his dad and then he which was weird seeing Ray Liotta pop up again. But, um, you know, kills his dad. And then, you know, is, you know, takes his dad's mistress or takes his dad's girlfriend, wife, whatever you want to call her. And, you know, hooks up with her and then kills her for, I'm not going to say why. It's just a little, it's, it's of the times, but it's unfortunate. And, um, you know, like I just felt there were pieces to a really good movie, but it, it just didn't all click for me. And I wanted to really enjoy this movie, but where I thought it started to get off the rails a little bit was uh when you see silvio and Polly, who are pretty close to tony's age but, but no i mean i think that's something that that, off.
1: that that's something that like if you've only seen the show once or or a couple times like i don't think Like, I don't think it registers for you that just because of like the way Gandalfini looks and acts and how Tony carries himself, like, it doesn't register for you that the rest of his crew is like 10 years older than him. True. Right. So, you know, they're like, they're like in their, uh, you know, early mid 20s during the events of this movie. They didn't look like it. I mean yeah I mean but you know they looked you know but that's what they're supposed to be right I, I think yeah, you're right but I would say Silvio I will I will give you the Silvio
0: performance like a
1: parody the Silvio performance was uh by John by John Magaro that the the Silvio performance was very uh was very SNL skit
0: yeah, SNL or like a Halloween costume. Right. I, I will say that. Like, uh,
1: but, uh, you know, I thought Billy Magnuson was pretty good as Polly.
0: Holy shit, that was Billy Magnuson. I yeah. totally forgot. <laughs> I forgot he was in the movie. Um, yeah, he was good as Polly, but like, yeah, Sylvia just kind of immediately just goes, you know, like as the, uh, the curl, the curled brow and, you know, the hand gesture. I'm like, do you really need to do that? Because it that felt like a member Barry's moment. Like member, member, member. Pauly, member. Silvio. Oh, I remember. And then yeah, out- no, I agree. I agree with you. I, I think I think the
1: Silvio the the Silvio performance was a little um, outlandish. But even if you go back and watch the show, like Stevie Van Zant, that was a pretty outlandish performance. Yeah, in the show. So I think. So I, I think when you're like removed from the sphere of like the present day, Mm -hmm. right. I like, but like, yeah, no, I agree with you. The Silvio performance is very, is very cartoonish, but still in, in John Magaro's defense, Stevie Van Zandt's performance in, in the show was a little cartoonish. He's a little out there.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I. I, I don't know. I just, I felt, and what really I didn't like at the end, I didn't like the ending of the movie because, <clears throat> excuse me, I get, you know, you have to cap, you have to kill uh, Dickie for what he's done. You have to. And it was pretty crazy that you, did we find out, did we ever know in the series that Junior had him killed? No, we never uh, find that out. That was a new twist, like to kind of, made me want to go back and watch the show you know what i mean which within the narrative of the show makes sense it makes that,
1: perfect that, sense. Ju- that junior would have him whacked after after he made fun of him for
0: falling because junior oh yeah junior was always very sensitive about himself and like you, it goes back to it alludes to you know when he got super pissed that guy's found out he ate pussy <laughs> right i was about to bring that up <laughs> right Right, right, he got so pissed, and he like beat the shit out of a guy or something. Yeah, he like he, he like whacked a guy ass. with
1: his golf club. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like they, that was just such this weird stigma. I remember being so. I'm like, what's so weird about Tony's? Like, yeah, Uncle Judy likes to pussy. I'm like, okay, <laughs> but uh yeah, I thought it was. But the, the ending, I want to talk the final, um, final segment. You know, Dickie's dead. You know, uh, Mike, uh, not Michael, Tony co- goes up to his, you know, his dead body in the uh, open casket. And then, you know, Christopher starts to narrate the end of the movie. And it was like, that's my Uncle Tony right there. That's that's when he became Tony Soprano. And, you know, they hold up the pinkies to each other or some. I think it was the pinkies. I can't remember.
1: Yeah, it was the pinky. It was but his pinky, pinky goes
0: up to Chris, to Tony. And then the, the one of the best scenes of all time. It starts playing, but I'm like, man, that just felt too on the nose. But I get it because I think if you call this movie The Many Saints of Newark and you didn't know you didn't have the subtitle A Soprano story, um, I mean no one would watch it. Not many people would. It would feel like a knockoff mob movie in some ways. To me at least. Well, I I, I disagree with
1: you there because I think I think having I think having the Sopranos tied into it I think like I think like relying on Tony Soprano so heavily I think is going to hurt the initial perception of the film and I think okay in the long run it's going to get looked at a lot more favorably as people slot it in as part of their successive rewatches of the Sopranos right I think it's going to get I think it's going to become a little more, it's going to grow a little more on people as, as time passes. Um, But yeah, no, I think I, yeah, I I think it was a victim of its own hype a little bit.
0: Yeah. I I agree Um, there.
1: You know, I don't think it's a best picture winner. I, you know, I definitely think there are, there are problems with it, but ultimately I really enjoyed it. I, I really, I had a good time. I thought, on the whole, the performances were awesome. You know, especially, especially the performance, the three hardest performances in the movie, the three hardest performances going into the movie turned out to be three of the best. And like, I don't think that can go understated.
0: No, I'm, I'm with you there. We've been in agreement the whole way on that, but I think Warner brothers are marketed this the wrong way, but that might've been the only way you can market it. You know what I mean? Right, no, because absolutely. Tony Soprano is the bread and butter. Like, there's obviously the side dishes, like Olivia, like Carmela, like uh, Silvio, Paulie, Christopher. You know, I'm uh, Uncle Junior, who I fucking love. Big him. pussy, big pussy. R. I. P. Little pussy. R. I. P. Did you um, know Dominic Chinni is still alive? By the way, no, sh- was he in the movie? Was that him? No, because like that's I'm like, there's no fucking way they would cast big pussy. As another dude. No, no. on the nose. Okay, good.
1: Yeah, Dominic Chianese is still alive. <laughs> he, he, there was a Sopranos con in 2019. Uh and, and he, uh, he went up on stage and he did the opera number that he did from the end of season three. Really? Oh, Uncle yeah. Junior.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Uncle Junior. Yeah, he's still alive. He's eight. He's ninety. Holy shit. Yeah, dude. He looks good for ninety, though. Oh yeah, like I would, I, I, I kind of want to go back and watch the show in the next couple months. Um, but we're gonna wrap up soon. But like, uh, I yeah, I, I think I'm gonna go back to it once Sopranos is over. Yeah, or I mean once uh or succession. succession. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, we got one more week before we start to recap those. Um, yeah, I. I think you should watch that. Uh, it's it's shows up pretty early if you search like Sopranos reunion. Okay. Like if you're bored and you're on YouTube, watch it. It's really good. Um, but I, you know, I kind of wonder because Edie Falco said she was cut from the movie. I wonder what she, what her exact scene would have been, because she's obviously in the movie as a younger woman. But like if Edie Falco's in this movie, you know that that kind of made me curious. Like who would. Who like or how they would have portrayed her? They if they would have de-aged her or something,
1: right? I don't know how they would have. I mean, I don't. I don't know. Maybe. That, maybe she, Maybe she's the narrator. Maybe she was the original narrator.
0: Ooh, that could have been Eddie Edie Capo's cameo was cut from the final film. She reprised her role as Camaro Soprano uh we had Edie come in and she dressed up as carmel we shot something with her but it wound up not being a final movie or maybe she visited christopher's grave at the you know at the beginning or the end of the movie i think she was going to be in the opening of the film because the director added that there had been some confusion about how to open up the film and Falco's scene had been one of the suggestions so maybe she might not have been the narrator but it might have been like an introduction from her in some way right but um that's talk of many saints of Newark. It's out in theaters, which is where uh, Spartan Dog watched it. I watched it in the comfort of my own home, thanks to our our shared HBO Max subscription. Uh, Yeehaw, funded by me, but we we split it. We we share other subscriptions. Take yeah,
1: I give you stars and Paramount Plus and Paramount Plus,
0: and I give I give you one of the big boys. Uh, I give you. I think it's the big boy, but um, so. Are you going to go see James Bond or no? Yeah, I'm going Saturday at four thirty. Okay, I'll meet you there. Okay. No, are no. you going to bring bring your buddy Jack? He's good people. <laughs> I'll bring Trevor with me too. Um, yeah, bring Trevor and his buddy Jack. But no, we're, I'm I'm going to try to go see it this weekend. I really want to. I want to go see Venom, but maybe I'll find a legal copy to stream somewhere. Um, so we'll let, I'll, I'll get you out of here. We're going to, you're going to watch bachelor in paradise and uh, finale have, night, baby. Have a good time tonight with, with those peeps on Twitter. Who's getting engaged.
1: Who's breaking up The the time on the Island is over. It's time for <laughs> these couples to see if they're going to be real. Once they leave paradise is oh. Abigail going to forgive Noah and say that she, that he, that she loves him. Is you know, Ugh. what is Becca and Thomas going to do? They're one of the newer
0: relationships. Uh, <laughs> Stanley, Stanley office gift. Yeah, that's me right now.
1: Who, you know, what's going to happen to Kenny and Mari? Are they finally going to, is Kenny finally going to stop looking elsewhere and settle down? You know, what's going to happen with this Chelsea Aaron Tia thing? Uh You know, that's, that, that's a, that's a new standing development. I don't think they're going to leave the Island together. So we'll see what happens. Uh,